Hey friends, welcome back to Stanzable. Uh, thanks for sticking with us through so many podcasts. Hope you've been enjoying these stories and poems and all the good stuff. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Thor McCarthy. And I'm your other co-host, Dylan Kirsten. This week, we have my friend Sam in to tell a story. Sam works at a group home around these parts, knows more music than anyone I know. Uh, we have a radio show together at my school, and we go to school together. He's studying psychology. Uh, it is a great story, so you're in for a treat. All right, here we go. Hold on to your butts. It's about to be story time. This is the story of why you should never run with a toothbrush in your mouth. Okay, so I'm fairly certain um, you've probably never heard a story like this before. Um, we're going to flash back to August of 2003. Uh, I was seven years old. Uh, I would have been eight in a month. But um, you know those um, like male blast Halloween costume catalogs? They don't send them out as much anymore. Yeah. But um, we had one. So I was brushing my teeth, running around the house. Um, like a seven-year-old would do, and I saw it on the couch, and I got really excited because I was really into Halloween, uh, so I ran over to the couch, and I, my brother was sitting below the cushion on which the catalog was sitting, so I ran over, and he ducked under me, and I tripped over him, and I landed face first on the couch while I was brushing my teeth, um, so I got up, and I went to continue brushing my teeth, and my toothbrush was jammed. It wouldn't move. So um, I had a top set of braces at the time. So in my seven-year-old mind, I thought, okay, my toothbrush is caught <laughs> in my braces. Um, so I went to uh, get the help of my father. I ran up to my dad and I said, hey, can you pull my toothbrush out of my braces? And he's like, what? Did it sound that clear? <laughs> yeah. What's that? Did it sound that clear when you asked? I suppose. I mean, I don't remember being, I was not that alarmed at first. Yeah. Um, so I just said, hey, can you pull my toothbrush out? He said, okay. He grabs it, and he, like, tugs it a little bit. And he's, and he's like, open your mouth real quick. And he looked in, and he's like, that's not in your braces. That's in your throat. Oh. So I was like, what? Um, by this time, like, blood started trickling down, like, my chin and my jaw down onto my chest because I wasn't wearing a shirt. Um, <laughs> I, I was pretending to be the incredible Hulk that morning um, nice. and he doesn't wear a shirt. So I wasn't wearing a shirt. Um, that's an aside that doesn't matter, but that's um, very important. It helps set the scene. It helps set the scene. Yeah. Um, so my dad took me up to his room and called nine one one and he's, and I don't, I don't know what he said to the dispatch person. Um, like five minutes later, police cars, fire trucks and like two ambulances pull up to my house um, and they all run upstairs where I'm sitting on the chair very scared crying toothbrush in my throat um, blood pouring down my face um, so the the EMT comes up and he he tells me to open my mouth and I do and I'm pretty sure this is against every training uh, that they give EMTs like I, I I assume you're supposed to keep your people calm like the victims of whatever you're doing, yeah. wherever you are. I assume you're supposed to keep them calm. I opened my mouth and he looked in and he said, oh my God. And I started crying even harder. So they put me in the back of the ambulance and they sped down to Children's Hospital. 
Um, I got right in. They put me in a room and they said, oh, crap, um, you have to go into emergency surgery right now mm. to get this toothbrush out of your face. Um, so I go into emergency surgery. Go ahead. What kind of toothbrush is this? Is this a um, like just a standard one or was it like a vibrating one or... It was a stand. It's a standard toothbrush. Um, it was one of those little plastic toothbrushes that kids use, and I remember specifically because they gave it to my parents afterwards for, as a keepsake. Yeah. Um, it had He-Man on it. <laughs> so, oh, so they take me into emergency surgery. Um, by this time, my grandma and my grandpa were there. Actually, both sets of my grandparents were there, and everybody's like sitting in the waiting room crying, and I'm seven years old with a toothbrush sticking out of my head, uh, and I'm like, what in the world is going on? I don't know yet. <laughs> so they took me back into surgery. <laughs> they took me back <laughs> to perform the surgery, um, and they gave me the anesthetic, and they're like, count back from 10. Um, and as I, was count, I, as I was counting back from 10, like my parents and my grandparents were in the room and everybody's sobbing because, um, well, I'll tell you in a second. They told them some information that they obviously hadn't told me yet. Mm. Um, so I counted back from 10. Lights go out. Um, I don't remember anything. Next thing I know, I wake up um, in the ICU of Children's Hospital with like tubes sticking out of my throat. Um, all this crazy stuff is happening. Uh, I think like there were Amish kids in the next room. I don't know. I, I don't know why I remember that. Um, <laughs> but it's all, it's very spotty. Um, but I remember them like when they pulled the tubes out, like I vomited all this green fluid out. Doesn't matter. Um, so after I made a full recovery, I was in the hospital for like two weeks after that. And they told me later on, they said, uh, your toothbrush, when it went back into your throat, it severed your tonsils. So it went through all of my tonsils oh. and embedded itself in the back of my throat. And it was a millimeter away, a, a real millimeter from popping my carotid artery. Had it hit my carotid artery, I would have bled out in a matter of like 15 seconds and died right there at my parents' house um, in front of everybody. Everybody would have seen that. Um, so it was, I I I I didn't understand the magnitude of it at the time, but it turns it turned into a really fun story to tell. Um, and after I got out of the hospital, um, I wasn't allowed to eat solid foods f for probably a month, um, and uh, because it had gone through my throat and severed my tonsils, it changed the way my voice sounded for a few months. So I was seven years old. I had a high pitched voice to begin with, but after the surgery, when I could finally talk again. Um, it was like high pitched Kermit the Frog, <laughs> so I have to wonder if if this had never happened, would my voice sound different? I don't know. Yeah. I have to live with that. Um, but anyway, yeah. Something I should have asked earlier, but like whenever it was lodged in your throat, were you like gagging constantly? No, I was not. Um, I it was it was kind of it kind of like went through my cheek into the back of my throat like that. So it never hit my uvula or anything. So it was it kind of like found its way back into my throat without actually like going straight back. I guess it was on the right side of my face. And I couldn't eat solid foods for a month. Um, and they told me, they're like, if you eat solid foods, um, it could get stuck and you could get 
infected and very sick. So I adhered to that very strictly. However, um, at one point I was like dying to eat solid foods. This was like two weeks after it happened. Um, and I ate one piece of popcorn and I ke- it kept me up for like days after because I was so nervous. I was like, I eat popcorn. It's going to kill me. Um, and you know how when you eat popcorn, uh, the kernel yeah. can kind of get like stuck in your gums? Mm-hmm. That happened mm-hmm. after one piece. And I felt it with my tongue and I thought, oh no, this is, this is it. Like I will die now. You picked the worst possible food to break the roll with <laughs> is popcorn. I did, but we were watching a movie and everyone else was eating popcorn, and all my parents could say was, "Sorry, Sam, you can't have any. Everyone else can." And that's not fair. I'm gonna eat one piece behind everyone's back, and I thought it was gonna kill me. I, I don't think I told my parents that I ate that piece of popcorn to this day. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's the deep dark secret. Listen, I think we need to find something out that is not going to be possible for all of our listeners. So maybe Dylan and I can do our best to describe to the listeners. Um, but I think we just, we need to see if there's any like lasting damage back to those tonsils. Dylan, what, what, what are you looking at right now? I mean, that, that looks like a normal inner cheek to me. Might be a little like bigger and swollen. <laughs> <laughs> no scar tissue or anything. That's impressive. Yeah, um, I thought they, I, I thought they fixed it with stitches, um, but obviously you can't have like normal stitches just yeah. in your throat. Um, so I, I don't know what they did. I mean, they have those dissolvable stitches, I know, <clears throat> but also the mouth just like heals crazily. Like mm-hmm. I, I know I have a bunch of piercings on my face, and one of them's on my lip, and that one didn't even hurt to begin with, but also like I, it, it just healed like almost immediately. Like the inside of your mouth is amazing when it comes to healing yeah yeah so is your throat apparently yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know much about that but um i i made a full recovery um and when the doctor finally told me i could eat solid food uh my dad took me to burger king it was the best meal of my life <laughs> to this point um didn't taste the best but it was just the most like satisfactory yeah. you know but so when you think back on that story uh, which is an amazing story. <laughs> um, but when you think back on it, like what emotions would you say rise to the surface? Do you think like uh, about being afraid or confused or uh, just like the absurdity of it? Like what kind of sticks out to you? That's actually a great question because um, when Dylan asked me to do this podcast the other day, I thought, oh, I have the perfect story. Um, no one else has the story. Um, but, uh, and f- from the time it happened to that point, um, the only emotion it really brought up in me was like, oh, that's so funny. I can't believe that happened. That's hilarious. Like, I made it. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, but that night I was thinking about it um, and I got super anxious about the fact that um, how close it was to popping the carotid artery. I was like, if that had happened, um, I would have bled out and died in front of my whole family and left them with a lifetime of trauma. Mm. Like you can't unsee that. Um, but where was I going? <laughs> Bleeding out, Bleeding trauma, out, trauma deeper meaning. Deeper meaning. Yeah. Um, I can't, I, I, I guess take, I don't know. I, it's, it gave me a new perspective for a bit because I remember being like, I've experienced almost death at the ripe old age of seven. Um, so 
I don't know, kind of live every day like it's your last because a toothbrush could kill you at any point. (laughs) (laughs) That is very good advice. Just how fragile life is that a toothbrush could end it. (laughs) A He-Man toothbrush, no less, could be the end of it all. Um, Dylan, what what are your thoughts here? What, What are you thinking about as we start to think about poetry and music that kind of might reflect any of these themes <laughs> <laughs> i mean part of me is feeling like you had to like grow up really fast and at seven years old understand that your your life could have ended there like i feel like that's something no one thinks about at age seven unless they have an experience like that like you, you mm-hmm. just think you're immortal and then everyone around you is um i know like even experiencing like a relative's death at that age for me was confusing and I, I didn't really get it and like didn't know why people were crying so much um and so yeah I feel like um you know maybe something along the lines of uh being forced into growing up before you normally would yeah that's that's really good I like that uh that theme um I think we can I think we can find some poetry that that matches that um Man, Sam, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. That is uh, that is quite the story. I I love it, and it also just makes me so uncomfortable to think about a, a toothbrush lodged in the tonsils. Oh, so thank you for for joining us. Thank you for having me. I always have fun telling that story. All right, we'll be back in a few after a word from our sponsors, um, and we'll be reading a poem. See you then. Today's episode brought to you by Fork.0. It's a new development on the fork so that you can use it either as a fork or as a spoon. It's kind of smooth and round and a little bit of a dip to it, just like a spoon, but then it also has little prongs on the end of it if you need to skewer some some meat and get that meat to your mouth, but you're not sure which one you're going to do and you only have time to pack one utensil from your kitchen drawer and you don't have you just don't have room for two you just want to get the one so you get fork point oh and it's everything you need in a fork and a spoon and by the recafe it's like a cat cafe but with raccoons one local business owner karen was dealing with some pesky raccoons in the alleyway of her coffee shop she decided why not bring those guys inside so if you want to hang out with some animals who just love some garbage go to the recafe at 456 North Street. <laughs> Shoot. Upon further review, we have selected a poem about the march of time and the ever-approaching death that awaits all of us. It's by my personal favorite poet, Walt Whitman. And here is the first three sections of To Think of Time by Walt Whitman. To think of time, of all that retrospection, to think of today and the ages continued henceforward. Have you guessed yourself would not continue? Have you dreaded these earth beetles? Have you feared the future would be nothing to you? Is today nothing? Is the beginningless past nothing? If the future is nothing, they are just as surely nothing. To think that the sun rose in the east, 
that men and women were flexible, real, alive, that everything was alive. To think that you and I did not see, feel, think, nor bear our part, to think that we are now here and bear our part. Not a day passes, not a minute or second without an accouchement. Not a day passes, not a minute or second without a corpse. The dull nights go over, and the dull days also. The soreness of lying so much in bed goes over. The physician, after long putting off, gives the silent and terrible look for an answer. The children come hurried and weeping, and the brothers and sisters are sent for. Medicines stand unused on the shelf. The camphor smell has long pervaded the rooms. Faithful hand of the living does not desert the hand of the dying. The twitching lips press lightly on the forehead of the dying. The breath ceases, and the pulse of the heart ceases. The corpse stretches on the bed, and the living look upon it. It is palpable as the living are palpable. The living look upon the corpse with their eyesight, but without eyesight lingers a different living and looks curiously on the corpse. To think the thought of death merged in the thought of materials, to think of all these wonders of city and country and others taking great interest in them and we taking no interest in them. To think how eager we are in building our houses, to think others shall be just as eager and we quite indifferent. I see one building a house that serves him a few years or 70 or 80 years at most. I see one building the house that serves him longer than that. Slow moving and black lines creep over the whole earth. They never cease. They are the burial lines. He that was president was buried, and he that is now president shall surely be buried. Hey friends, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, Don't forget to come back next week for episode five of Stanzable. See you then.